Yeah, you're 10 minutes late. Well, you know do I have to do ex- 10 extra minutes now because we're 10 minutes late? Yeah, what was it? Uh, <laughs> Isaiah. Zechariah is the one that was saying that I, I cheated last week. I just go by a big hand up there on the 12. It's time to quit. So it must be time to start. We, uh, you know, been in Colossians, and we continue on with that. And I'm just thinking, hey, it'd be good just to touch base just a little bit, see where we've been, see how we got there. And the uh, first part of this chapter one was that Paul is real thankful for the Colossians, the ones you know that became Christians, the church there. Okay. Okay, should I answer it? It's on Grace Church. Unknown contact. Grace Church. Okay. Maybe You might want to get in the settings there and turn that off. Okay. We'll try this again. He was giving giving thanks for the Colossians, and there were three words: faith. My Bible doesn't have Colossians. It doesn't. Oh, uh oh. <laughs> Who took that out? <laughs> I don't know. It's I after got Philippians. The Bible from you, <laughs> oh no! <laughs> you got it at the store, right? <laughs> no, this is one. Oh, okay. Alrighty. That's why I gave it to you. Missing a couple books. Yeah, it was. I got a good deal on it, Michael. Sorry, there's a couple of books missing. <laughs> Okay, good to see you, Michael. <laughs> Stump Dennis. <laughs> it always stumps me. You know? Anyway, he was he was given thanks to the Lord for their faith and their hope and their love. You guys remember that? Okay, that was the first part. And then we went into verse 9, and then he started praying for them. And what he prayed for them is that they would have knowledge and wisdom and understanding of of the Lord and how to live in the Lord. Uh, but isn't that what we want? We want to we want to have knowledge, wisdom, understanding of you know the the world that that uh, God has given us. And of course, really, uh, it's all about Him. It's the knowledge of God, and He wants He wants them increasing. Well, that prayer is not only for them, but who else? us today, right? So he went to that, gave thanks to them again, and then he comes to Christ and he starts talking about Him. So he's talking about wisdom, he's talking about knowledge, talking about understanding, and what is that all about? Well, it's really the wisdom of Christ, right? Understanding. So you get to see what the nature of Christ is, starting at really about verse 15. And he talks about he's he's an image of the invisible God. He's the very icon of Him. He's the firstborn of all creation. Uh, he created. It was he created for himself. He created. Uh, it was through him. He's before all things, and everything is all consisted together by him. And he's the head of the church, and that's what we were at last week. He's the beginning. He's the firstborn from the dead. Uh, far as uh, that resurrection is concerned. And he's to have first place in everything. And we saw the word there is actually the real word preeminence. So Colossians in one word is preeminence of Christ or supremacy of Christ. Right? So that's what we're really trying to to hit upon if somebody asks you, hey, what's Colossians about? You may get that. I don't know. Probably not. <laughs> you never know. Um, but Colossians is about the preeminence of Christ. And then it shows that he's preeminent because in verse 19 it says that he's God. Because the Father's good pleasure for all the fullness to dwell or live in him. That dwell there means to be at home permanently. The very essence, the very character, the very nature of God. Um, there is no one else to look at but Christ. So that's, a, that's the kind of knowledge that we want. Knowledge, wisdom, understanding, if you know who Christ is, that He's these things, that He is God, that He's 
very image of God, that He's the firstborn of all creation. He's the Creator. He sustains things, holds all the atoms together. So then we see that it was God's pleasure that this fullness dwell in Him. So that's kind of where we got to last week. And so we get into that key word of reconciliation in uh, tonight's verses that we'll look at. I have a quote here from John Owen. I'm going to read it real slowly. I wish I had it up where you could see it. Because you see it and then you hear it, you're more likely to grasp it. But this is what John Owen wrote. The revelation of Christ, the revealing of Christ. By the way, revelation means to pull the curtain back. That's what revelation really means. The revelation of Christ is far more excellent, more glorious, more filled with rays of divine wisdom. So we're talking about excellent, glorious wisdom, goodness than the whole creation. Take all the creation that there is, and we we talked about God's creation one week, then the next week we looked at it on, on some of the videos and Giglio and some of the other things, you know, and it kind of helps us get a grasp on uh, this is amazing what he's created. But he says, knowing him, it's much more excellent than all that. And then he says, and the comprehension of it, if attainable, can contain or afford. Without this knowledge, the mind of man is wrapped up in darkness. This deserves the severest of our thoughts. The best of our meditations and our utmost diligence in them. For if our future blessings shall consisting, consist in living where He is and beholding His glory, because this, this is what it's all about, this is really where it's heading, right? Being in His presence, beholding His glory. What better preparation can there be for it than a constant previous contemplation of that glory like right now, even as we are looking at this today, as revealed in the Gospel, that by a view of it, we may gradually be transformed into the same glory. So, that's what Owen talks about. There's nothing more excellent than looking at Christ. So that's what we're we're right in the meat of in in Colossians here as we uh, examine some of those uh, passages. In uh, that reminds me in Second Corinthians three eighteen. Yeah. But we all <clears throat> with unveiled face, that means the curtains are taken back, everything is revealed. Beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, as we stare at Him and who He's about, we're seeing the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord, the Spirit. He created us in what? God's image. Here, right now, as we're sitting here, we're being transformed into the image of Christ as we try to understand this Word of God. And it's like from one level of glory to another level of glory, we see another little aspect of God that we never knew before. If you just pick up one little jewel that you haven't thought of, then you're seeing another level of God's glory. And so that's what it's saying as we behold in this Word of God, it's in a mirror, the glory of the Lord is right here. This is how we see it spiritually. One day we'll see it physically too. But what's happening to us? Being transformed into the image of Christ. Did you know that that is God's goal? Um, well, we're told to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Be trans- that's, that's how you get transformed. Exactly. In, in Romans 8, verse 29, for those whom He foreknew, He also predestined to become conformed to the image of His Son. So that He would be the firstborn, just like what Colossians is talking about, or the preeminent among many brethren. That means the church. All the believers. That He would be preeminent. Lifted up. 
So that was what John Owen was talking about in uh, those in the blessings that we have right now. We're being changed into the very image of Christ until ultimately we will have a glorious body and transformed into the way that He has had in mind from the very outset. So, get ready to get into reconciliation now. We behold Christ. As you behold Him, you change, you transform. Father, we thank You for this day. Thank You for Your Word here. and Help us be guided into Your truth that we can understand, that we can have wisdom, that we can have knowledge that will bring glory to You. For the more that we know about You, we realize what eternal life is. It's knowing You. In Jesus' name, Amen. You know, as we know God, we get to know about all of His creation, everything that's there. Can you imagine not being inhibited? You know, cars, computers. We think that's something else that we have today. We won't even have those there. Why? Our brains are going to be magnificent. Computers. Our cars. Why Why need a car? Just think where you want to go and you'll be there. Oh, I think I'll go to that planet. Boom, you're there. I was more impressed by the brain thing. I'd like to be rid of time. Well, in the eternal state, I guess that's what that means, there isn't it? Well, none of that we can really understand. I mean, we know, it's it, our thinking can't even bring that. Up. Some of the things I said just sounded kind of overwhelming. Let me tell you, that's a lot. Comes far short of what it really is going to be, living in in eternity and knowing God, and then all of His creation, and we'll never run out of learning who He is. I mean, he, you know, our learning won't stop it's once the vast, we're there. The vastness. Oh yeah. Word that we can't. Because we are our mind is is limited here, yeah. isn't it? But our minds there will 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 compute and, and will be able to understand, and it'll just constantly be that way. It'll never be boring, you know. So we'll, we'll because we'll be learning more about who he is, so and it'll take a turn. Last longer than an hour. <laughs> However, yeah, how do you oh, put an hour into it? Yeah. Never get bored. No time. No there time. is no time. That's right. No time. So, okay. The word tonight, the word for the day is reconciliation. So it says, all the fullness of God dwells in Him, right? I mean, He's the very essence. So it says, and through Him, and through Christ, to reconcile all things to Himself, having made peace through the blood of His cross, through Him I say, whether things on earth or things in heaven. He's going to reconcile. And the term reconcile there is probably one of the most important words in all of the Bible. When We think of justification, right? That's a very important word. It means to be declared by God that we are righteous. Even though it sure doesn't seem like it. And we do a lot of unrighteous things. But as far as our position is concerned, once you become a Christian, you're justified forever. Now, we do have sanctification. And that's our walks, which can vary and go up and down. But justification is a one-time thing. And it's forensic. It's a court term. It means as far as God is concerned, you are now declared righteous. Redemption means to buy out of bondage, to buy out of slavery, to, uh, to, to loosen people in their bonds. Uh, forgiveness means your sins have been taken care of. Uh, we were debtors, now the debt is paid in full, right? Uh, in adoption, that's another word, we were strangers. We were aliens. We hated God and then He puts us into His family and we are sons of God sons and daughters, however you want to put it. Um, so, reconciliation is another word that goes along. When you became a Christian, all those things happened to you. Matter of fact, there's, there are 
countless things of what happened to you when you became uh, a Christian. Uh, reconciled is another key word here. means uh, we were enemies. And we now have been made friends. We're no longer enemies with God. And we have a right relationship. So to reconcile uh, a relationship is whenever two people get back together in a relationship. When two people have a terrible argument, they become at odds with each other and then there's a need for them to be what? Reconciled. Well, this is what we're seeing here from uh, 20 right on through uh, 23, I guess. Um, in 20 and 21, you get this plan that God has of reconciliation. Uh, the word there in the Greek is katalasso, and it means to change or, or to uh, exchange, uh, to change in a relationship. That's the idea. And in this particular Greek word, there's a preposition added to it, which, I'm getting technical here, but it really means to do this. It means to intensify the meaning. It's not just to change in a relationship, but it means to totally do it, to thoroughly change the relationship. So, there's a... the whole character of that relationship? Yeah, right. Because it's such vast difference because we're enemies of God before we're Christians. And He changes it totally to, you know, just not just uh, being reconciled, hey, everything's okay now, but to go beyond that so uh, there's a false teaching. Remember, that's another reason why Paul wrote uh, Colossians is because there was uh, heresy coming into the church and um, that you can get to a higher level. You know, that it's almost like you too can become God and you know, those kind of things. But um, false teaching that was coming in also denied that you can be reconciled by Christ alone. Paul is refuting that. And he's saying you can have full reconciliation and in Christ and Christ alone. You know, he's full deity. He fully reconciles us. Go to Romans 5.10. Michael, do you have that book in your Bible? I have that book. I don't know about that chapter. That book. So some of those, there's certain chapters that are really dear to me. So I wanted to put one in my back pocket. You know, I had to tear out a few pages. Oh, sorry, I have Romans 8. We're good. Okay. This is 510 here. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of His Son, much more. Having been reconciled, we shall be saved by His life. Does that make you wonder what that means? Um, so we've been reconciled. That's that same word, right? We've been brought into a relationship. Why was that? How was that done? Well, through the death of Christ. Right? Simple. Simple theology. That's interesting. Last part of this. I'll just give you a little bonus. This is not even in the lesson tonight. <laughs> Much more having been reconciled. He says, check this out. We should be saved by His life. No, wait a minute. Are we saved by His death? Do I have a bad version here? Where, where have you ever heard, you know, we're saved by His life? Well, uh, I think what we can do with this one is that um, Christ was able by His death to reconcile us to God. We're children of God right now, right? And the Savior that we have is living right now and He's keeping us saved. Not only was His death saved us, that saved us, but His life that He has now who is in us. He will keep our lives in Christ for eternity, saved by His life. There's another thought, though, too. It's saved by His life because it took a perfect life for us to be saved. 
who was the only one who lived a perfect life? Christ. So his life did count. Now, he did have to die, but he also had to live in on this planet right here on earth. So, can you see where saved by his life can mean what he did? Those were works that he did that were um, uh, not passive. His death was passive in that he was killed by humankind. But his life, he did active works. And he was perfect. He was without sin. So, life, death. Uh, He's keeping us saved now by his life. So, a high priest does that, doesn't he? The great high priest continues to intercede for us. Yeah. So, does that work pretty good? Have you guys ever wondered what that meant? Kind of interesting. Saved by his life. Yeah. All right. That uh, just that'll cost you a couple bucks just because it was extra. But I'll call it free tonight. Just a bonus. That's that extra ten minutes. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. I just like that one part. That's kind of interesting. Okay. Um. Second Corinthians five seventeen. Second Corinthians five seventeen. Now, you know, we're looking at theology tonight. You notice that? This is high doctrine here. But yet, it, it is actually um, pretty simple, but yet profound. In verse 17, okay, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, that means if you're a Christian, he's a new what? A new creature. You're a new man. The old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. That means your life changes. Now, all these things are from God who, there's our word, what is it? Reconciled us to Himself. Did we reconcile ourselves to God? Nope. We didn't want to. We hated Him. We were enemies. Sinners. And He reconciled us to Himself through Christ. And we we already seen what that other verse said. What did it say? Through His death and through His life. Um, Reconciling the world to Himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and He has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Ah, He not only reconciled us to Him, now we have the ministry or the word of reconciliation. What does that mean? We can go out and tell people that you can know God. Yeah. They're sinners. They hate them. They're enemies. But your life can be changed. So we also that's committed to that. That's what He's given to us. So verse 20, Therefore we are ambassadors. We represent Him. Uh, a nation will have uh, an ambassador that goes to another nation representing that country that they're from to this other country they go to. Well, we're ambassadors for Christ as though God were making an appeal through us. That's how God gets to people. He works through His people. We beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. John he made him. Said, that's why we're doing what we're, that's why we're here. That's, our, that's what we're supposed to be doing. That is our... Otherwise, it just take us right on up. Well, He's got to get the Gospel to the rest of His people that He's chosen. Really and He uses us to do that. Yeah. Oh, here we go. He made Him who knew no sin, that's Christ, to be sin. It means He took on our sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. Not the Pharisees' righteousness, but the, Pharise- uh, the, the righteousness of Christ. So, he died for us, took our sin, so that we would have the righteousness of God in us. What a trade. That's the great exchange. So, it's restoring a relationship between God and man. It's all done by God. So that's the plan. That's the story. We've looked at that. This this is heavy theology. This is heavy doctrine. Okay, so what was it that He reconciled? So we know He's talking about us, but let's, let's first see... We talked about creation earlier, right? 
in in our Colossians passage where it said, uh, uh, verse 16, For by Him all things were created, both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible, with the thrones and dominions, the rulers authorities, all things have been created through Him and for Him. He's before all things, and in Him all things hold together. They consist. So He's the Creator. So let's look at creation. Because of what man did in his sin, what happened to creation? He got tainted too. Uh, of course, Romans talks about that. Romans 8. Michael, you just talk about that. It's a great chapter. He's got that. He's got, you can go to that. <laughs> that. It'll be brought back. You know, when you think of God's creation, of course, sin subjected creation to futility, emptiness. But it'll be brought back like it was before the fall. Matter of fact, better. I'm not so sure how that can be because everything that God created was perfect. But um, land and the seas, you know, you think of that. They'll take all the pollution back down. Oh, yeah. You think of the seas, you think of the, the winds and the you know crashing up against the, the rocks and the beach. You know, sometimes out in, in the middle of the sea it's hostile. Or things on on the earth, on the land, can be hostile. We experienced that back uh, what a couple of months ago. The tornado. That's because of the curse. Those things, the floods. You can go on and on. You go out to Arizona and you got that hot, dry heat. Or you got earthquakes out in California and the fires, and it just goes on and on. And that's a mark. You know, every time you hear of that, you can think of one thing. That's what sin did. It still does it. So, the earth will no longer be cursed. There will be changes even in the animal world. The lion and the lamb laying down together. Will there be animals in heaven? Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> Why wouldn't there be? He created them here. Why would He just say, Oh, that's it. We're not going to have animals anymore. <laughs> Absolutely. And we see that in Isaiah and other passages. So, uh, there will be changes in the earth, the whole solar system. Everything changes. Go to Isaiah chapter 60, 19 and 20. I had a question to ask about that. If, if the earth is going to be changed, will the mosquitoes no longer bite us? That's right. Be They'll be back to what the original purpose was. Whatever they were meant for. It's a good question. What, what did he have in mind there? Ticks and chiggers and whatever they were. Wasps, you know, besides food for other animals. Yeah, they were good things. They were created. Whatever they were for, besides what they're doing. They sure won't mess with us. No more, no more stings. No more sorrow. You won't feel anyway. What's that? Yeah. Big de- hey, how you doing, buddy? <laughs> no more depth, though. Can you smack them? <laughs> they, well, they won't die. Yeah, I know. That's good. And you won't want to smack them. Because they won't be doing nothing to bother you. <laughs> may not even see Maybe they'll be in hell. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> You're cursed. This thing about the fly thing, you know? I like that one. Yeah, I, 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 that's, a good place that's okay. If that's God's plan, go for it. <laughs> Pray, praise God, right? <laughs> yeah, they were a food source here. <laughs> they were a curse of Satan. They still are. Okay. And Japanese beetles. There's, they're going to hell. Now, now you yeah, start talking really. about they are going to hell. Now you start talking about dandelions. Those are the ones everybody calls ladybugs. No, 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 no. no. These are green, me. purpley, shiny, nasty. They're really rose-eating devils. I, I can bring you some. <laughs> they are pretty with the colors. No, 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 they're not. Well, yes. they're. They're gold and they're blue and the sun hits them. They shine. But they eat your roses. They eat your flowers. They'll eat whatever you have out there. They can attack and just destroy it. This year wasn't so bad though. They take a beautiful leaf and make it it disappear. Yep. Yep. 
Take just, the just eat the holes and next you go out there the next day and they're gone. Turn the leaves are gone. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I hate them. Mm-hmm. They're going to hell. <laughs> <laughs> God, God's got some kind of plan. Got that big old food bag that you have a lot of leaves. No, they don't eat. They're not animals. Oh, they don't want that no. stuff. Yeah. It's no, like, I can't find, I looked it up, I, I can't find any. My birds aren't eating them. Spiders don't like them. Nobody likes them. Oh, the ducks like them. No, oh, really? I need well, some ducks. Them? They'll eat them? The ducks eat them. Oh, well, right. The All right. The internet said robins and meadowlarks. Yeah, but they got so many of them. They get Cardinals full. and blue jays <laughs> and all these birds eat them, and they're not eating mine. There's, there's so many you think they'd get, they'd get on a feast. You need a sign, Penny. You need a sign that says eat here. <laughs> I'll tell you what. Seven. That's a biblical number. That's what I used this year. Seven. And I didn't have too much trouble. There were like two or three years. I picked them off, you know. It wasn't like last year and the year before. It probably wasn't the seven, but I've heard. I think it did something. I did it about three times. Yeah, the internet says that seven is about the only thing that. Is that what we call two bugs? No. No. They do no, things, nasty things to Japanese your window. Japanese beetles. Look it up. They're they just Japanese eat your plants up. They're smaller than a June bug, and they said they have shiny uh, colors on them. They're really slow. You can just pick them off. Sticky little They don't legs. go flying off real quick. They stick on your plants and pull the petals off. Yeah. And then if you squeeze them, oh. they'll just attract more. Yeah, no. Fair they go I after the pheromone. I have, a, I have an old jar. Yeah. Do you put water and soap nope. in there? Just let them. Just let a oh slow death, Take right? Them in there, yeah. 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 I get yeah, my hand and they're all wiggling around. I tell them, don't you, you worry, I'm going to let you go. <laughs> I take great joy in I don't think I should feel that happy about killing them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. We didn't really take a hiatus. <laughs> Because we're talking about God's creation. It's right in the text here. So that's cool. Okay, verse 19. No longer will you have the sun for light by day, nor for brightness will the moon give you light. What? It's going to be dark? But you will have the Lord for an everlasting light. And your God for your glory. Your sun will no longer set, nor will your moon wane. For you will have the Lord for an everlasting light. And the days of your mourning will be over. Boy, that's a great promise, isn't it? Yeah. Anyway, go to Romans 8. Got to go there for a moment. Verse 20 and 22. 20 to 22. Now we're in Michael's chapter. Verse 20. For the anxious longing of the creation waits eagerly for the revealing. That's the taking the blinders back or the the covers off. Unveiling the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of Him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself also will be set free from its slavery to corruption into the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and suffers and pains of childbirth together until now. Not only this, that we ourselves... Okay, I know that. All right. Does that make sense? Yeah. So, no more curse, no more sorrow. Of course, you go to Revelation 21, you see all that. Second Peter 3.10 talks about God's going to burn it all up. Everything's going to be... Oh, the... Uh, excuse me. kind of says with a big bang. That's, that's what it is. Big fireball. That's... The atoms explode. He creates new heavens and new earth. So, so much for sin... So much for that curse. <coughs> okay, I guess this is it for the night. I can't talk anymore. So when he says all things will be made new, 
material world as we know it is going to be reconciled to God. Right now, it's subjected to futility because of our sin. Now, how about men, women? They're also reconciled. Um, Verse 21. And, although you were formally alienated and hostile in mind, engaged in evil deeds. This is every person. That word alienated. Uh, Apolatrio means to be cut off. It means to be separated. It means to be estranged. That's what we were before we knew Christ. We were aliens. I mean, really alienated. And he also says hostile. The word there means to be hateful. Uh, we were at war with Him. We hated God. We were enemies. We were wicked sinners. And He reconciled us. I think that will do the trick. Uh, how about Romans 5? Six through ten. This was us. For while we were still helpless, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. So what were we there in that verse? We were helpless. We were ungodly. For one will hardly die for a righteous man, though perhaps... For the good man, someone would dare even to die. But God demonstrates His own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, so we're helpless, we're ungodly, and now He says sinners, Christ died for us. While we were sinners, He did that. Much more than having now been justified, declared right by His blood, we shall be saved from the wrath of God through Him. Verse 10, for if while we were enemies, there's another word, we were reconciled to God through the death of His Son, much more, having been reconciled, we shall be saved by His life. That looks like something we've read before. So, reconciled uh, we are. And that just told what we really were. So, what's the method? I think we've just been looking at the plan of reconciliation, and that was to reconcile the heavens and the earth creation, and then also people. The the method of reconciliation is found in verse 20 and also verse 22. The method was he made peace through the blood of his cross. Through him, through his death, right? A man could not please God, could he? So how can a holy God really be reconciled to us because we were just terrible sinners, wicked, what had to be the death of his son? That was the only way that would make us right, righteous. So peace through his blood. So if you have war, we were at war with him, right? How do you make peace? Well, there was only one way. We couldn't make it. So God, the Father, sent His Son and His blood is what's going to satisfy the Father. There's an atonement there. Um, You think of a sacrificial system and that's a perfect sacrifice of Christ on, on the cross. Blood, uh, actually, it's not just that simple physical blood itself. If that would saved us, then all he had to do was take a pen and prick himself, and see, there's the blood. The blood speaks of a, a violent death, such as on the cross, sacrificial death, violent. So that's that's the idea, and it was violent, wasn't it? Being handled by men and treating him as they did. Um, 
Jesus' death. The cross is the ultimate evidence, isn't it? So the method of reconciliation is peace through His blood, through His death. Then we get into verse 22. What's the purpose of reconciliation? Yet He has now reconciled you and His fleshly body through death. You guys have that right. He died as being this man in order to what? Present you before Him holy and blameless and beyond reproach. Before Christ. He reconciled you in His fleshly body through death in order to present you before Him holy, blameless, beyond reproach. That is the purpose of reconciliation. What is God's whole goal? What does it say in Romans 8, uh, 29? To be conformed to the image of Christ, right? To be holy, to be sinless, to be, you know, perfect. That's where it's going to. We are being changed. We will be totally changed. Uh, human, Human condition is terrible. God's going to reconcile. Ultimately, what's His whole purpose of reconciling? Not just to make us in a relationship with Him, but to do what? To make us perfect. I mean, perfect. That's the idea of holy, being set apart. Set apart from sin. It's also to be in a perfect way. We will never sin again. We will be perfect. Wow. Uh, Ephesians 1, verse 4. That's his whole plan of all this. It, it's going to happen too. <clears throat> verse 4, Ephesians 1. Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, why? That we would be holy and blameless before him. Sounds just like that other verse in Colossians, doesn't it? See, the Bible is the best interpreter of Scripture, isn't it? Um, blameless means to be without blemish, to have a character that's blameless. How I many more to have that now? But we know that we're not perfect. And we know that uh, we still have our spots. We still have our wrinkles, our don't self, we? Our self runs quickly. Yeah. But... Still yet, there is a sense that we're to have um, a demeanor about us that would be different from the rest of the world. So blameless is that idea. First Peter one nineteen. Michael, have you found all the books that we've been going through so far? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I thought I'd test it out. <laughs> yeah, he's making you run through, make sure you gather them all if you didn't notice. <clears throat> but with precious blood as of a lamb unblemished and spotless blood of Christ. That's what we were redeemed with. And it's, we know that He's unblemished and perfect and spotless, but that's His whole idea for us to eventually be totally like that. That's where we're headed, folks. You will be called perfect or holy and we really are what are the what's the church called most often by called Paul out. saints right mm-hmm. what do saints mean holy now if you said that to the normal person unless unless they're a Christian and they know biblical things they would a saint is just somebody that you know is like perfect and they have sainthood you know I'm not exactly a saint, right? Shouldn't Somebody exactly says. Introduce myself as Saint Penny. <laughs> you could. People would really have a problem with that. <laughs> I have a little problem. <laughs> but you know what? Yeah, okay. People, churches, and building. Yeah. Right. Well, you can introduce yourself that way, but you need to live up to that reputation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But really, it is true. Yeah. We are saints. Who does Paul write to? To the saints in Colossae. To the saints in... Saints. So, 
Romans 8 again. Verse 33. Uh, like this. Who will bring a charge against God's elect? God is the one who justifies. Who is the one who condemns? Christ Jesus. Is He who died, yes, rather, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who also intercedes for us. And, of course, He's praying that we would be made holy. But no one can bring a charge. That's the idea of what uh, beyond reproach is. You know, a, a, a blameless character. Nobody can bring a reproach on. And that's that's the idea that uh, is behind that, that word there. Martin Luther said, as soon as we believe that very instant, we start to get better. The process, and sanctification is a process. Justification, one-time event. Sanctification is from here till the time that we go to be with Christ. But the process of becoming pure and holy is underway. And its future completion is certain. It will happen. But we are being made holy. That's what Luther was saying. I say that he's biblically correct. I have the time here. Verse 23 shows the evidence of reconciliation. If indeed, now we got a big if word. Let's <laughs> say all this stuff. And he says, if indeed you continue in the faith, firmly established and steadfast, and not moved away from the hope of the gospel that you have heard, which was proclaimed in all creation under heaven, of which I, Paul, was made a minister. Here's the evidence of reconciliation. If one is not genuine in their salvation, even if they say they're Christians, they will not persevere. They may look good for a while, but what do they do? They split. They leave. And they never come back. Or they might come back for a little bit and then leave again. We don't know who they are. We might have an idea, but we don't know for sure. But um, if they continue and stay in it, that is proof or good evidence that one has been reconciled. So that's what he's doing here at the very last verse of this section. As he's going along, he's saying that you be holy, blameless, beyond reproach, right? Look what Christ did. He's, he's doing this to you. If indeed you continue, you remain, you stick around in the faith, firmly established and steadfast and not moved away from the hope of the gospel. There are so many fickle people that you know will join a church, be there for a year or two or a few weeks, and then they're in and they're out, and then they just they just forget it. Well, there's good reason to think that they may not be reconciled. Don't know. Thing is, it doesn't look good, does it? You'd have to do all those things that you're talking about, all that reconciled stuff, in order to put up with Luke. <laughs> That's right. That Luke you're talking about. <laughs> the Luke that we're hearing on Sunday morning. Oh, Luke, oh that's those right. hard Chasing statements. Chasing people off. <laughs> How come what, people you don't, don't come back? If you don't love the Lord and want the truth and want to change, you're not sticking around. That's right. <laughs> this be the truth. That's right. And and it's not us, but it's His truth. Here's what it says in John 8.31. Okay, we just looked at professors. Not, not possessors, but there are professors. People who profess Christianity but they're really not changed. Now, there are genuine believers and the true ones that have been justified 
they will persevere. They will continue in it. Now, there are times when they don't feel like it. But they will continue in it. Because it's God's work in them. And so that's a guarantee. He's not saying it's a matter of works. But he's, of course, works follows salvation, but it doesn't get the salvation. John 8.31 says, So Jesus was saying to those Jews who had believed Him, if, there's that word, you continue. And believe me, people who believe in losing salvation love these passages and they will use them. But, but you have to look at the context, back up a little bit, go forward a little further and that will be explained. And it can't doubt any other places where it talks about if you are a Christian, you have eternal life if you believe in Him. But he says this, if you continue, or the word I think is hupomeno there, which means to uh, remain, to, to stay in it, to continue in it. Stick around. Stick around like glue. If you continue in my word, then you're truly disciples uh, in, uh, of mine. And you'll know the truth. The truth will make you free. There we go. So he says, here it is. It's called perseverance. You can look back over your Christian life and you say, here's how God got me here. I don't know how He did that. Because it sure wasn't me who got here. You continued in it. You stuck around. You stayed. You remained in the faith. And that's, you know, it's personal holiness helps us to have more security in, in our faith. Uh, you know, that salvation... You know, it's, we see what he, he has done. So, we're we're at the big hand on the twelve, and we just finished our section. We just want to contemplate on the greatness of Christ, all that He's done for us, all that He's doing now, all that He will do. Behold His glory, that He's preeminent or supreme. Those are good words to hang on to. Great. He deserves to have the preeminence, doesn't He? And so we want to say, hey, is He preeminent in our lives? What God has in mind for us is a lot greater vision ever conceived here in Scripture that any mortal could ever have. And it goes way beyond our thinking. And it's all worth it. Every bit of it that you live in this life. So, let's pray. Father, thank You for this evening. Thank You for Your Word. May it really stick in our hearts. And may we continue in Your Word so that we recognize what a reconciliation You made to bring us into Your family. In Jesus' name, Amen.